0: Hey, a huge shout out and a big thank you to all of our listeners. We just finished the plug drive and want to thank you all for your enthusiastic support of the show. We could not do this without you.
1: Yeah,
2: that's right. We are running at a deficit due to production costs and other expenses. But through your generosity, we have erased the deficit. Now we're in good shape to get to our finish line with our plan 26 episodes. Thank you for supporting the F-14 TomCast and stay tuned. We've got more good episodes coming.
0: On the flight deck, crews are now manning for the next launch. Time to clear the flight deck and catwalks. Stand well clear of all jet blasts, prop arcs, and exhaust. Time to start up the go aircraft. Let's start them up. Hey, I'm Craig Snyder, Call Sign Crunch, and I was an F-14 pilot and Top Gun instructor, and I'm one of your two hosts today for the F-14 Tomcats. Now, the AIM-54 Phoenix, the missile, was a major part of the F-14 program. It drove the Tomcat's design from the very beginning, and it was a critical weapon that gave the Tomcat its unique and most impressive capabilities. Now, unfortunately, the U.S. Navy has had only three combat Phoenix launches and none of them were successful.
2: And I'm Dave Baranek, call sign bio. I was an F-14 Rio and I was also a Top Gun instructor and I'm your other host for the F-14 TomCast. Our guest today is former F-14 Rio retired captain Bob Castleton, call sign Jumbie, who's one of the few Americans who actually launched a Phoenix in anger in combat conditions against an enemy aircraft. Hey Jumbie, Welcome to the F-14 Tomcast.
1: Thank you, Bio and Crunch. I sure appreciate it. I don't know why you would have a knucklehead like me on here, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, you
2: know what? I, I hope we don't come to regret it, but you know, we'll see. So far you're doing good. Three hey, knuckle
0: draggers. We'll have a great conversation. It's perfect.
2: Like we <laughs> ask all of our guests, tell us where you grew up, how you got commissioned, how you got into naval aviation, and how you got into Tomcats.
1: Okay. I, was, I grew up in Irving, Texas, so I consider myself a Texan. Although I was born in Glendale, Arizona, because my dad was a Air Force uh, pilot, he flew the uh, 86 and the 104 Starfighter, which is pretty cool. Oh, but uh, he transitioned to American Airlines, Crunch, uh, Boom. American Airlines. There it is. Um, before uh, before I was crawling, so I was never really considered myself a military brat, and uh, didn't really have that glean in the eye at age five of wanting to go fly initially. Um, my brother is four years older than me um jeff and he um he decided he would go navy because he knew he had bad eyes and he didn't want to be an air force uh, nav so he decided he'd really go land steel and steel so he um he went to naval academy which i was on so I, I, now i'm drinking from the, the navy fire hose for four years plus and, and ended up deciding to follow kind of not really follow his footsteps but go that direction so i was a navy naval academy 85 guy and uh from that point, I knew I was going. To, I wanted to fly the whole time, and uh, the only thing that was different, I had to do my own path. Jeff was an East Coast guy, a diamondback, and I decided I'm gonna go West Coast. So I was lucky enough to be Mr. Average. I was no kidding, right in the middle of my class, which you know how that works with the quality spread. And uh, so they had flexibility to, to uh, I guess, to actually let me go Tomcats. So I ended up at, at Miramar back in the day. Uh, with fighter teams, so.
2: so, you graduated just before the Top Gun wave? I mean, finished flight training? Correct. Before every, everything got crowded. All right, good. Good timing. Yeah. Okay, so nice. once you got into the F 14 community, talk about uh, about what squadrons you were in and, and stuff like that.
1: Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough. Uh, first, of all, I was a little behind everybody just because I did the six month stash before getting out there. So, catching up to my classmates, really enjoying, the, uh, enjoying Miramar in San Diego. Um, so the timing of that left me where I was able to catch VF2 in their cycle. So I was lucky enough to, uh, get, go to the bounty hunters, uh, for that first tour, which, uh, a guy named Bio Baranik was there. One of my, one of my mentors. I'm not saying that just cause you're here, Bio. It was, uh, you, you, you and the other department heads. Uh, I couldn't, if I start naming them, I get, might get in trouble, but, you know, just you and possum and Burger booger and all those folks really just took care of us. And,
2: I remember you, you well. You did a nice job as J.O.
1: I'll stop. But they, uh, they 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 uh they taught us they taught us well. Um so VF two uh CAG two, um Airwing, And uh, so you know everything was two back in the day, uh with one, uh not to leave the Wolfpack brethren out doing some good work there. So we had some good good competition between the two. So that was on USS Ranger. So I did two two cruisers on a Ranger. Uh and then I was lucky enough because I think once again, uh, I was like number two or number three, kind of like, you know, Cougar or Goose or Mav or whoever. And (laughs) they, they all, the guys ahead of me wanted to go to test pilot school or whatever the case may be. So I got to go go be a rag instructor. So I'm just falling into, falling into some good stuff here. I really enjoy being a a rag instructor at 124. Uh, What a great place. Uh, So that, and the timing of that, I was able to actually fly the A, B, and the D. So I was qualified in all three of those, which was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
1: And then uh, coming out of there, I actually had to leave a year early. This is about the time they're going to shut, uh, shut Miramar down and turn it over the Marine Corps. So and about 92, four, 94, maybe? Correct. Yes. Correct, yeah. uh, going into 94. So 93, 94. Yeah. They actually had a plan to do one more big giant debt in Pensacola. So I was like hanging on with, with my fingernails. But they're like, nope, Red Rippers need somebody. They need a super J-O. So I found myself going to uh, Red Rippers and flying the D when they transitioned over to the D. That's why the East Coast Red, R- Red Rippers were out on the West Coast.
0: Right. And so they, they went from A's to D's back to B's. They did like one deployment with D's. Is that right? I think so. That sounds Something about like right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. Were, they were those. Un... I can't remember how the, how all that went, but uh, yeah, there was some back and forth there. Yeah, whatever. I don't remember the details.
1: Right. <laughs> It, it was different and very dynamic, and we were part of the um, – we were on the USS Carl Vincent, and we were kind of like the, the glass, the airway of the future at the time. Everybody had the new – just about everybody had the newest and greatest stuff with the exception of one squadron, and uh, that, so that was uh, a lot of the stuff we did, including the joint tactical information display system, the JTIDS uh, mm-hmm. communications and all the cool stuff that it brought to the table. We were almost opt-testing that live uh, out there um, in 94 with the Rippers. So after the Rippers, um, I actually selected department head initially to go down uh, to the training command. I was down at Pensacola as the ops. Yeah. Guy, and I yeah. got re, re-stacked to go back to the fleet. But I was already down there. And I think Sinatra was like at 60% manning. And they are like, no, he's going to stay. So now I'm even further behind than everybody else. Uh, but luckily enough, they brought me back. So I did both a special a- a training and a operational department head. So I ended up – the Black Lens uh, was my next my next one, which were uh, focused on and i uh, selected to go uh, back to be a department head there wow so you did two department head tours
0: we we, just, yes, we nowadays I call did. it a special mission and then right. operational wow right. that's crazy talk about needs of the navy getting you getting you twice there that's amazing right wow.
1: now, i was supposed to go to the uh, Pukin dogs at the time i was slated to go Pukin dogs uh, uh-huh. but things changed uh once again numbers of people and all that good stuff, you know, how the dynamics are. And they actually last minute swung me over to the black lions.
0: Yeah. And so now right now we're probably talking about what, 98, 99, I think it is. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Um, now the event that we're leading up to this, uh, combat missile shot in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken, it was in 1999. Is that right? What what year are we correct? Okay. Um, now prior to that, you've had, you were in the bullets, you were in the rippers, you're in the Black Lions, three, three operational tours so far. Um, a lot of folks probably realize this, that a lot of times we will do... Uh, missile shoots. We will take a live missile or a telemetry missile, load it on an airplane, and basically do an end-to-end check. We, we load it. We check out the orties and the magazines. We get out of the airplane. We check out that the radar is working and the data link, and we launch it, and we shoot it at a drone, and we see that the warhead blows up, or we get data and send it off to the test community. We come back and land, basically prove end-to-end that the stuff works. But more than more than that, for us, it's an opportunity to actually go out there and hit the button and see what it feels like, so that the first time you do it, it's not your first. Right. I had you had an opportunity to do that up to this point?
1: I was lucky enough and uh, to be able to do that. And, but an interesting point, which may play into the story later, is at the time they were really exploring the envelope for the uh, AIM-54 active shot. So if the um, Phoenix could come off the rail and just go active and uh, do a short-range active shot, so that's what just we ended for up for our
0: audience. Thinking- can you? Can you explain what that means by an active shot? Basically talk through that. Sure. There's a lot of really smart folks in our audience who yeah. understand semi-active, active and passive and, you know, guidance and all that. But there may not be, there may be some who don't. So if you could cover that for us real quick. Sure. sure,
1: you bet. So the, uh, you know, the traditional MP4 is 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 the one where you... You drop it off and it falls off the jet and goes down. You've seen the videos, uh, maybe if you watch them online, and all of a sudden the motor ignites and it, boom, it just goes flying up into the ionosphere and it goes goes chasing up in the thinner air. And then it turns on sensors as it goes. It changes its pattern on from talking to the airplane to looking for the target and then going on its own autonomous. So the yeah. active shot was actually a process of getting it off the rail straight ahead. So it didn't drop at all. It just went, boom, and went straight ahead. And I mean, of course it's heavy. It probably dropped a little bit, but it, it just- does uh, drop, but then it just, it doesn't do the M-BAM. The it's a straight line, just, boom, just boom, straight line. Right. Exactly. So, and, uh, so that was, uh, that was eye opening and pretty, pretty, pretty amazing and, uh, a Bula Bula, um, which is a direct ah. hit. Um, nice. but it was, uh, um, it was something that uh, was a great experience, but um, also meant I hadn't actually seen what it felt like on a high altitude shot.
0: So in this case, you were doing a, you did a missile X where you had a drone in front of you and you waited until you were inside of, say, 10 or 15 miles, probably something less than that. Raised Correct. the ACM guard and then squeezed off a trigger, uh, squeezed off the shot probably. Boom, it comes off, shoots, you get the hit, call Bula Bula, that's awesome. Slightly different from the long range shot. In which way? So, what would what, what would just, you
1: have? Well, one is just the the profile and yeah. understanding what you're going to see, and seeing that uh, you know it wasn't much different from maybe an uh, an aim seven shot coming straight off uh in, in a shorter range or something along those lines. That that M bam you mentioned, yeah, just yeah. it's a different sight picture and a, a different thing. And this was all my first tour, so now we're I uh, you know about a uh, I was told there'd be no math, probably about a decade before this later incident. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I always like to think about um also the support of that missile. So if you were to shoot an active weapon, bang, you squeeze it as soon as it, it injects the video into the missile and off it goes. Actually, yeah, I'm sure it does because it has to inject Doppler, right? And so once it shoots, you don't care anymore. You can do whatever you want. Whereas if you shot your let's say you're supporting a track wall scan tracking up to 24 targets and playing against six you know you 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 squeeze off the shot and you get that BAM going you can't just crank out a turn because it'll send bad data to the missile and then it misses which right. did it's something that i'm i'm sure you're aware of but you know you and bluto I'm, i think bluto did a whole bunch of shots i don't know what you did or what he did but uh well cool excellent so now um Let's see here. So what, so you were, tell us about the, the day in question, um, go through, basically we're talking about lead us up to the date in the scenario. What's the background that leads us up to this day?
1: Okay. Um, if I may I even talk even a, uh, even a step back further, um, yeah. it, I was in a unique position from being in a desert storm with the bullets, um, and with VF two to the middle nineties with the rippers, where we were doing Operation Southern Watch, and it was just uh, there was nothing going on. It was just yeah. total quiet, no no Sams, no no MIGS getting even close to the line. And we just were like, felt like we we're just doing low levels over the desert and stuff like that. So very. It was kind different. of boring back then, wasn't it? It's yeah. It struck me as this is really really different, especially coming out of a Desert Storm. I'm like, this is really weird. So now fast forward to uh, December of like ninety eight. Uh we were uh I'm actually going on Carl Vincent again with a different air wings, so we had swapped the air wings out which they do occasionally. And so we had a different air wing, same same ship. So I got a chance to be on Chucky V a couple times. And we were uh, heading out on a December cruise and uh, we're in Singapore um when things kind of when when Saddam Hussein started rattling again, and things started happening, and Sam started moving down, and things uh, were flying again. So now it's kind of like, what is going on?
0: And this and is leading up of, to Desert Fox, which happened in December correct. of '98. Correct. Exactly. Right. You True. may True. have been there. I was at the same time you were doing that. You were on the Vincent. Yes. I was on the Enterprise. So oh, we awesome. we were in there because well. Different chapter, Desert Fox, we were there for the first three days. You came in on day four, and we had the two carrier ops for Desert Fox, if I remember right. right? That's correct. Yeah. All right, continue. So Singapore leading up to Desert
1: Fox. Yep. So we uh, we we pulled chocks and came running, just like you said, to show up, and we actually made it on day four. I don't think anybody at the time, we didn't know how long the op was going to last. But we got there just in time to actually ex- execute a, uh, a strike from the uh from our from our side as we tag teamed with you and um our our CEO uh, CO uh and a few folks took that one and did one of the uh the um consecutive miracles um uh, GBU uh, nice uh, from both both jets, both both impacts, great video, just a just a really, really cool thing. And then all of a sudden everything got shut down. It's like um so I don't know if you remember they um now one thing I will caveat is I talk, as I talk this story is it's really well documented in a few other articles and stuff. So this is going to be from my recollection, and uh, and I'm as you know the time in between it there may be something that I might filter hang on to that uh, that may be just from from this
0: this is uh this is a, a BS free zone. You can feel free to make it up because I'm not going to okay, call you yeah. on. <laughs> and if anybody disagrees, they can post a response and say that's not what I remember. Go for it. Right? And remember, okay. no, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. So
1: keep there going. You go. <laughs> uh, so, I, I just, at the time I remember it was just never quiet, and we're not allowed to actually go with feet dry, or there was a limit to that. And we're going into the holidays, so, so,
0: so uh, hold on a second, back me up. So you're saying that the Desert Fox has ended, those four days have ended, and now, oh, you know why? Uh, Ramadan. Wasn't it because that's when Ramadan started that year, if I remember right, is we wanted to stop it for that, and that's the holiday, right?
1: A combination of a lot of stuff, and I'm pretty sure that was a factor, as well as I think Congress and everybody went into their Christmas vacation mode, so there was nobody making decisions. That's, that's probably more likely. That's the other perspective I got was, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not uh, we're not deciding the next thing and we're letting diplomacy try to work and all that other good stuff or whatever was happening behind the scenes that we're not initially privy to. So yeah. we were just kind of like, okay, what are we doing? So we're just out doing carrier air patrol cap and just uh, kind of yeah. living the life there for a bit until we roll into early January. So I think it was uh, well, And by call
0: this it. point, we on the Enterprise CAG-3 – have left station. So we've moved south, gone around. We're in the Red Sea, going north through the Suez. Because if I remember correctly, we were a November to November, December, January, February, March, April, November to April deployment. So we had already left. We were going up to do Mediterranean ops while you guys held on station there in the Gulf. So that's, and that takes us into January. Okay. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. This is as much for me as it is for our audience, because I'm trying to catch up and remember. You're, you're keying things in my brain I hadn't thought about in a long time. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So, okay. So um, there's a lot going on, and now you're back to flying caps. And what kind of activity? So we had Desert Fox. We bombed targets in Iraq, because uh, that was whole. Saddam didn't want to let the weapons inspectors, uh, the UN inspectors, go in to check out his, his sites. So we sent folks in, did some stuff. We got back to the negotiating table and things got better. And so now what was the, what was their behavior? Were we seeing some airborne caps at this point out of the Iraqis?
1: Right. So they're uh, on the tail end of Desert Fox after getting shwacked again, he pulled as, as the mobile SAMs, SA sixes and stuff got pulled back and everything was back to, back to where quote should be. Um, mm-hmm. And now we and the Air Force are, are, are told to stay um, out, of the, out of the heart of the box. I think it was to not provocate.
0: Were you saying that you were being told to stay even further south oh, we than were, normal? We were day? even doing
1: some feet wet stuff. We were, we were it was like, oh. a. oh, yes. Yeah. No, don't yeah. even go to Basra.
0: Stay right. feet wet. Right. Okay. Right. Gotcha. I did not, aware, so I was not aware of that.
2: Just so you didn't provoke the Iraqis?
1: As I recall, that's there, that was the timing of it. Now, then, once again, this is my recollection. Mm-hmm. When I when I read other other guys' sure. memories, they're like they're like no, bam, boom, boom. We just and then, uh, but that's what I re- remember. And, and maybe it's time compression. I'm like, this is really weird again. And and but all we did because of that gap and that holding off, it made them emboldened them again. And now the mix are flying again. So that was that was the thing that got us ready for this mission. Was all of a sudden now, um, the mix started started tickling the line again. Gotcha.
0: So you're you're standing, you're you're manning basically cap, feet wet. You're seeing behavior. What's happening on this day or leading up to the day? Basically, so actually, that's a great point. What is your combat loadout at this point? Your uh, what's your where to your weapons loadout?
1: So at this time we were, we have uh, one Phoenix, uh, a Sparrow, and two Sidewinders. And interesting at the time, you may remember this uh, from from the Enterprise. We were loading the uh, Phoenix on the shoulder. Uh, we had Lantern pod for our laser designation, and we that would not keep us have the tunnel available for our GBU's. Because uh, right. we we're here in the two thousands, so those were uh, those were under our belly. But so you said one
2: Phoenix, so we, one Sparrow, and two Sidewinders.
1: Yeah, and then the and the Sparrow is back in the back belly.
0: So you'd have Lantern, Phoenix,
1: yeah, Sidewinder, Sparrow. Some of
0: that line up there.
2: Crunch, when we were JOs, we didn't carry Phoenix on the shoulder hardly at all.
0: Right. And that's there, right. There I remember Steve talking about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. As, that's right. He did talk about that. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Sorry, I completely interrupted you while you were talking there. That's <laughs> right. That <laughs> jumpy keep going. What do you got? Okay, uh, so um, you're, you're taking off you're a one, two, and one loadout, you got a lantern pod on there, you're standing a cap, and then we see some behavior. Maybe you get a call on JTIDS. What happens?
1: Well, this was actually a planned mission, so um, oh, um, as that behavior is kicking up, and, and, we're, and we're having meetings, and Intel's doing their thing, and we're having you know, what's the next step. You know, that's the next piece. Is okay from from our perspective. What's our next steps? Obviously, getting direction from CENT, CENTCOM, Central Command, uh, and then and then the Navy uh, Fleet, uh, Fifth Fleet there that was uh, coming through the through the high, from the higher ups. We actually planned this mission specifically, um, and as you know uh, from our history and training, that we're usually used to being on the other end of what we call the MIG Trap, where you're where you're. You know, and that's what they were trying in this particular case. A couple of MiG-23s come out real fast, try to get your attention, suck you in to chase them down low with the MiG-25s or somebody other more capable coming out at you from above. So that's uh, that's something we were very aware of. Um, and so we decided uh, with the, the mighty F-14D and JTIDS and all the capabilities of cool stuff we had there, we tinkered with the, uh, the APG-71 and did stuff to, re- to reduce the footprint our plan was to reduce the the uh, signature on the on the um, M54 because we knew that Iraq respected the f 14 specifically because Iran, and mm-hmm. so they uh, whether it was right or wrong or they didn't understand how really awesome the AMRAM is they they really just had that, that filter of I don't want to get close to atomic and you could actually hear that in their controllers and the and and the, their and their what they what they reported. So we set this up as kind of a a, um, a division of, of hornets and a section of tomcats and uh, with some uh, prowlers, uh, a section of prowlers way off in the distance and had this whole thing set up as a almost like a mini strike brief. And Bluto and I, Vince uh, uh, Separito and I, had the, the lead on that one. Um, and we had um, Mike uh, uh, Bilzer. Uh, Buffy was our was it Rio and John Shoemaker shoe was the uh, our lead So awesome.
0: So the idea was that you're basically doing a mini strike going in, basically with the radar snoozed, for lack of a better, is that what we called it? I can't remember. We're basically at yeah, radar
2: standby. And standby. At least in the, OG and standby. Nine, in the old aug nine days. That's what we called.
0: It's a little bit,
1: a yeah. little bit different, a little different technology. We were able just to chain, do some stuff. Uh, with with what the what they were seeing,
0: Oh, very as cool. a D guy,
1: I don't remember. <laughs> That's crazy. But, uh, but
0: uh, all, right, all right, so uh, uh, so you guys were going in. Talk us through.
2: So, what time of day? What, what time of day was the launch?
1: Well, I I don't recall that. Those details. Morning, morning um, afternoon. I mean I'm referring to, to to Buffy. I think it was a, we were coming into a dawn launch. I okay. believe, yeah. And, uh, and what was cool, and that some of this I cheated on, um, Buff- I remember Buffy actually asked for a, uh, a cubby launch because we wanted to, to, to go off together and, and go together. And that will uh, that will actually have an, a factor in the later on. Uh, but because we were parked, we weren't able to do that. So we actually followed each other off of the same catapult.
2: Okay, Crunch, I'm just going to throw this out there because I've got it. I did this a couple of years ago. Pluto and Jumbie were in 163903. Jumby, do you remember that?
1: I cheated and looked it up because you... Yeah, yeah, don't.
2: 3903. <laughs> yeah. And Buffy.
1: It was 107 was our side and theirs was 106.
2: And, and 106 was 159619.
1: Yeah. Which I found out later was a retro, It was a retrofit, Tomcat, instead of a... a that new sounds old. like an old A right there, a 159. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. So you, you parked, you launched in, in trail.
1: So we're, we're on deck and like I said, with our new technology with JTIDS, oh yeah, I got four radios back there, by, by, if you can imagine that. And so we would have one radio that we'd have covered, the old covered, click it and cover it. We had one between us. Uh, so we had our, and we had, that, that was a strike. We had one between us for, for open comms, but we also JTIDS, we would have one between us and then one talking big picture. And so we're, we're listening to the big picture on the deck and we're seeing everything on the deck because we just go 400 mile scale and you're just you're just seeing all the JT's tracks and seeing what's going on. So it was a great essay before we even launch. And we're just we're just hearing and, and trying to get paint a picture in our brains as we're launching. So as I recall, we we, we had to we end up launching off, like I, like I said, we didn't we had to go off the same catapult, uh, joining up and going, but there was something happening. They wanted us to go uh, right away. So we with uh, with the Tomcat legs, we went ahead and went boom, just started screaming towards uh, getting in into the box because there was something happening. Um, long story short, by the time all that happened, as I recall, that died down and kind of went away for a bit. So then we had time to go back and get gas. So that was kind of plays into, to where we were with the timing and how long, but it's a pretty long volt window. I think it was a three, three to five hour roll window, if I remember correctly. Um, so we had, we had a, that, that part of it fast forwarding. Everybody's got the gas, you got your package together. And now we're going in and doing what we, what we briefed with our cycles and turns. And all the things coming into play, and things had quieted back down again. So we spent some time um, doing doing our tracks and, and running through with nothing really happening, as I recall. At that at that point, we're getting towards the end of our vault window. We're we watching, i mean, looking at gas uh, and figuring out where we were, where our tanker was, and we were getting pretty close. And so you know, working working those those problems and figuring out what what would happen, uh, we've started to do our exit. And we're like, man, what a disappointing. Oh, I did want to point one important thing out uh, that stuck in my brain. When I was manning up and we were, we were doing our pre-flight, I just knew something was going to happen. You know, sometimes you just intuition or whatever. I don't know why. It's just tingling. And I looked at I looked at our AO1, AO1 Dowdy, and I said, hey, we're not coming back with this missile. And he was
0: like,
1: yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so I just, I just felt it. Um, so – we're now we're, now we're bummed. We're like, oh, nothing happening. So we start heading out and, uh, start, start working on our exit. And the, um, E2 pipes up and says, Hey, the Admiral would like you to go, to, to go do another turn. Some stuff is something, 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 something's happening. So we're getting the vibe and they're starting to, they're starting to hear what's going on. And we're like, well, we're going to need some, need some gas, uh, on the backside. If we do this, uh, like really fast, really close. And he says, don't worry about that. The admiral says, you can land wherever you want to if you do this. So we're like, okay. So <laughs> we got clearance. <laughs> so so we, we turned back around, and sure enough, uh, they just fired it up, and uh, that's when the, the two MiG-23 floggers launched. Boom. It came flying out. So now we now our, we set ourselves up to where the timing and the distance will work out to where we can set ourselves up for our launch point, which was going to be an, optim, an optimum Phoenix launch. Not the max range shot, but an optimum optimal Phoenix launch was our plan. So we, we set that up. So we're actually, I think uh, we're probably even nose off this time, whatever the case may be, and doing our cycle with our F-18s. And they did a great job as far as, as, as that flow and backing us up and keeping that stuff as far as get, being the first shooters uh, because of the, the distance, the, the, the length of the A-54. Um, come around and uh, paint the picture, got the two floggers, and sure enough, they do the, they do the typical turn it away. Meanwhile, we, we thought there was actually two MiG-25s, uh, Turning on, the, turning on the tarmac as we're hearing hearing the chatter and uh, and come launching out um, and it turns out only one of them ended launching um, as that we know of um, so two or three after quick pursuit boom gone away here comes the 25 and he's just screaming. He's, he's up already and already above 40 and, uh, and screaming at the time. I remember uh, maybe 1.5. So that song going through. So we we were already camping really high. So we, we, we started our, we'd already started our, our, our profile way before that, of course, to get ready for the 23s, but it's, we we're up there, and I think we were above forty and going about one point two at the times. So when you all.
2: say your profile, just for the audience, your high altitude intercept profile, basically.
1: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Because we, we were capping pretty high, or the normal than we do in the Tomcat, but we didn't. We weren't. We weren't. We were in the ionosphere. We want to have a good radar picture and to so be able to see everything with the, sure. You know, optimizing the scan of the radar and where we were uh, before we before we committed. But once we committed, it's like okay, now we got to set ourselves up for the shot, not for the scan. So that's that was the difference in the profile. Yeah. So right. we're we we heading up and get ourselves uh, set up, and, and everything is working. The only thing besides the Tingley's reps, like where's the second dude? So we started. Uh, we we're getting to the point where we're we approaching, and we were doing. I was I was doing my magic back in the back with the flips and switches and stuff, and and now we're we're good to go. We're we're everything is getting set up with the um, the launch um, window, as we start approaching up and. Um, so our plan on that one, as you alluded to, crunch with the with the launch. Uh, you get the launch, and then we do a, what we call crank. You get your nose off to preserve that distance of closure. Um, this was another thing that somebody might have remembered different. Me, what I remember at the time was they told us do not go to the merge, do not go to another engagement, and so that would that would be one reason we did not turn back in for any for any, any follow on follow on shots. But we're managing that envelope. Got the crank on. And in this case, we're actually cranking towards Iran because it made sense with our flow and what we're doing. Um, and we're we're over here uh, uh, supporting these missiles.
2: So wait, you've already launched? You've already got the. Miss-
1: I was kind of painting the picture of the path before I launched. Sorry about that. Okay. All
2: right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we get to the point where we're ready to launch, and, and all the comms that's required. Uh, we got we got you know the, the, the bandit is is now uh, hostile, and and we've got all the clearance clearance cleared. Boom boom boom. So uh, our, our tactical SOP was uh, uh real cue made the shot, made sure everything's good, I got everything going. And then I would pass the dot to the pilot because we wanted to have one trigger puller. So Bluto, Bluto pulled the trigger and boom, off away.
2: Thanks for covering that because I briefed that with, with my pilots too.
0: So the comma a lot of times as a a guy in the front seat is we'd be looking at it, QA in the shot, making sure, yep, I'm ready to go. Master Armand, I'm just waiting to hear from my Rio. And he says, your dot, bang. And I'm pulling the trigger because I've already decided. And that's that's the way it would go from the front seat. You guys ran everything and
1: ready to go. I think the community may have started standardizing towards that way. Cause that was, it seemed like maybe that was a well, lesson. Well, there, were, there were
2: environments where the, we could talk about this later, but there were environments where we talked about the Rio would be the shooter, but in a tactical yeah. environment like that, I briefed with guys that the pilot would shoot. Yeah. Okay. So back to the real time.
1: So boom, we're there. So we're, you know, like I said, we're up at 40,000 and one thing, here's another thing in my brain, that sticks out. Um, when you're up there over the desert, it's, there's a haze layer. I don't know, uh, if you've, for the folks who've been flying over there, it's hard to even see horizontally. But you look straight down, you just clear, clear, clear as day. But if I'm looking at the distance, I can, there's, you know, I can see I ran pretty well, but I can't see really far into it. And there's just a haze layer, so that that comes into factor with my 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 brain of what I remember and what I what I saw. Uh, but you feel the boom, and op away, call op away, Weeman, clear to fire, boom boom dash two up away. So both Phoenix have, have gone over, gone away. Crank. And so we had a pretty aggressive, I believe it was, I want to guess, 45, 50. Hmm. So we do, we get, we get that moon, uh, the, uh, the crank maneuver in. And at that point, you know, we're Q and a, QA in that. We're very cognizant not to go fly in Iran. Right? So we're very QA in that. As we look back, we don't see what we talked about earlier, those traditional going out into the ionosphere. On the other hand, I've never seen a Phoenix launched at 40, 45,000 feet, and uh, not sure what that really looks like and how far it would have dropped and all that good stuff with this haze layer. So, in my brain, it's, it's just a little bit of a question. And it's a question for Bluto, too, with his expertise. He's like, uh, two, That's two, just and, and That's two, like, yep, good, up away. So, we hear up away, which all of us kind of clarified, yeah, okay, we got a good Phoenix off the rails. So, we continue running the mission and, and profiles as we expected. Meanwhile, the the, the division is, is obviously on their piece of the pie coming in behind as, as, as we briefed and just spot on ready, ready to go as, as we were expecting and coming over. And we got the, we got the, we did everything to me. It was like, everything was perfect, except for the fireball. It was just like the, the comms, clarity boom and all the maneuvers, uh, just just seemed to be what they needed to be and we got to that point we discussed where you, you get to the distance and you cut the missile so that it's not even trying to look at us anymore because we don't want to confuse it after at that point we know that it's got acquired the target and it's transitioned to that full active mode so we've we, we cut the missile and uh, and did our turn away as we turned away we're like whoa I ran <laughs> so I don't know if we got to complain or not but we were pretty close. Uh, pretty close to the border at the time. And, uh, that was a factor of us getting the, getting the heck out of there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now as you're, as you're heading out, you've, you've cut, you've cut what you believe is you, you believe you cut the missile you your head now and you say, you know, do you, do you have a good indication that you're, I mean, what are your indications now about success in this shot?
1: Well, we, we also hear the chatter. We hear, we hear the, um, you know, the divisions now talking as well, uh, behind us, the Hornets and, um, Actually, I think it was two of them. The division went to section. Anyway, they, they were they were working their game plan, and um, they were working to make sure that they could get a an Amram envelope as required. At one point, before we got to all those all those scenarios, the the, the apparently the MiG, the twenty five finally turned and, and went away. Yeah, weren't sure. I, we didn't we weren't sure of that into and into. And and um, confuse things even more as we're exiting. We hear over the, over the the net. There's a fireball. And so,
2: oh, that's terrible. Well, wow!
0: I never heard that.
1: Yeah. So um, that was that kind of was like, huh? So so as we're heading out to get gas, oh, you're going like, yeah. You know, it's it's you know, eighty percent. It's better than nothing. Yeah, I feel pretty good. <laughs> so. So we, we we felt like we we're feeling pretty good. Now the uh, the other guys had different looks and may have had a little different perspective, but uh, we're feeling pretty good. And so now our job is to let's get ourselves back to uh, take care of ourselves, and make sure we're not trouble, we're not in our ram, we gotta get gas real quick, or we're gonna be landing lead or wherever, and we're just we're doing all that good stuff and and getting the gas and heading back. So um, it was it was interesting just that that feeling and, and the ride back like, hmm, and just the possibilities and the what ifs. Uh, you know, hindsight it's easy to kind of go back. Well, yeah, you probably knew something was wasn't quite right. But uh, just you know, when you're in the mo- you're in the moment, and you're 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 executing the mission like that, you're like, you know, you, you're you're feeling. And think like I said, the thing went so well. We're like, this this seems like it's going really well. Um, so we did a. Uh, you know, coming back, we did a the, the boss told us to go and do a quick fly by the, the ship, so we did fly by the ship and, and landed and stuff. Um, and immediately we were told to head on down and and uh, brief the um admiral um down down below. So we had both a one star and the three star that we were briefing. Uh,
0: so hold on a second. So uh, uh the three star uh was on board, or was this like over video? Flew, I
1: believe he flew out. Oh, wow, okay, maybe, gotcha, star, or maybe, yeah, I, I think it was.
0: Well, yeah, so uh, uh, NavSent, right? Yeah, NavSent, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, so So, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. So now you get down into Civic, you're briefing the one-star and the three-star What's your intel telling you? Kind of in layers, we're
1: briefing CAG. <laughs>
0: sure. yeah, you're briefing, you're teasing that civic K- <laughs> right CAG.
2: As you're walking to civic, or did you stop by the ready room? Or are you guys sitting there high-fiving, going like, "Yeah, we did it"? Or people patting you on the back? Or is it just
1: ambiguity or what? We were grinning, we were grinning at the amb- and embracing the ambiguity. <laughs> but it wasn't like the it wasn't like a scene at Top Gun where everybody's cheering. But it was kind of like a, it was just one of those. You know good feelings it's like hmm, and but we didn't have time it to think like
2: the mission worked well so from an execution standpoint that's a great
1: feeling so and, and uh at our time our, our our commander admiral harms was down there and uh and so we're we were we were doing that and um i just remember going over the 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 the, the plan i think i think i recall maybe twice going through it um, I cheated on one of somebody else's notes. They thought we were down there for like two hours. I don't remember what it was, um, but we were, we were walking through the path. And by that time, here's, here's where the reality hit, you know, in the back, by that time they had, they had continued the comms and uh, Intel had uh, done the thing they do with other, other resources that we had out there. And they realized that, that, that fireball was actually one of the make 23s that had to run out of gas after, after, running his maneuvers and getting away from us, landed, you know, didn't make it to the runway and and, and fire firebomb crashed. So that was, a, that was the only, you know, bittersweet uh, piece was the caveat. Um, and as I recall it, um, the first time I heard it, CAG said, well, and I think one of the admirals was there, he said, well, kill's a kill. So that's yeah. where that that came from. So- so, for everybody who uh,
0: just for to kind of summarize, so we had two MiG 23s that launched down low as almost as bait to try to get you to come in. They drag out as you guys commit. The MiG 25 launches high, you shoot on the MiG 25 and crank. Uh, we end up not having a good hit on the MiG 25, but one of the MiG 23s down low runs out of gas and crashes. And that's that's kind of the summary. Of how we got to the fireballs, right? Nice recap. That's good. Exactly. <laughs> well, I know how I am. I'd be like, "What just happened?" Yeah. So, it's the make twenty three is down low. Make twenty.
1: Look at the whiteboard and the pins. Let Bio go through the brief. <laughs> oh my god! I
0: have. Can <laughs> I get my whiteboard out? I got one. <laughs> All right. So cool. So now you've briefed uh, Admiral Harms, and I don't remember who Navsent was at the time. Um, actually, it was. Um,
1: I can embarrass myself. I think it was Moore or. I think it
0: was. I think it was Admiral Moore. But, but in any case, um, yeah, I think it was because he came out to the ship after Desert Fox for us as well. So we had, uh, you briefing up Admiral Moore, you're briefing up Admiral Harms, and you're realizing that, hey, this didn't happen. Right. Now you're trying to figure out why it didn't happen. And what do you know?
1: At that point, we didn't know a lot. Um, they went through the whole uh, system and they were wondering what was going on. Um, whether it's related to what we're talking about with uh, the loadout, um, they apparently took the uh, the rails and sent them off to see, had them all checked out to see what was going on with the rails, uh, see if there's anything else mechanical that went wrong. Um, a lot of questions came into play. Okay, what was uh, what was the lot of that Phoenix that we shot, and you know, so, and all that stuff that happens behind us with Nav Air and all those other systems, folks were were really just digging, and we didn't really hear a lot about all of that until later on.
2: And then what really did happen that you can tell us?
1: I mean, again, what I understand.
2: we don't want to name names, but. Right.
1: Yeah. What I understand was, uh, and this is, I, I actually, uh, I like to talk about this part of it from the perspective of, of uh, how important the team is. And it, it's not just us, you know? Right. Um, what I understand is um, one of the young, young folks that was arming was part of a CAG Arming team. Now, back in the day, your own squadron armed your own airplane. So everybody was very proficient at taking care of their own airplane. And then to, to work the resources, they, they, the CAG arming team started learn. They ne- needed to get to where that, that, that was just too, you know, not as efficient. So the whole CAG arming piece as i recall if, if that sounds right by yep, yep, i'm yep. wrong there and so the cadre arming teams all had to learn all the different aircraft and stuff like this well apparently the the person was not a uh, tomcat community person and missed one of the nuances of arming the uh, phoenix rocket motor and so the rocket motors did not fire so they're they're doing they're doing this all the way down to the desert in the
2: missile fins trying to fly everybody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh
1: so, some of some of our other navy resources had to go pull those things out before they got picked up
2: God, that is jumbie that is heartbreaking to me
1: (laughs) and so so we go back to the beginning of the story um the 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 plan the the option to run the cubby launch versus going off the same catapult who knows what would have happened if our wingman had gone off on the cubby launch
0: because you would have had different different army each airplane yeah. instead of the same crew. Oh, said so Buffy got oh. one he asked for, bang, there's a good chance that Correct. maybe one yeah. of those missiles would have lost Okay, so lost
2: this is a personal question If if yeah. we don't like to talk about it, but were you guys depressed or angry or just like, and how long did that last and all that? I mean, I'm sorry, but when I think about this, <laughs> that's what I think
1: about. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you know, I always joke. Oh, I could have been a contender, you know, because right. <laughs> that, you know, that kind of changes the whole director of your career. If that's if you get that's a little something a little different. And uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't change a thing because I, everything I did was like it's almost like uh, Back to the Future is my density. It's like I that was uh, I was meant to do what I did. Yes. But I would have done. I probably really could have done something very different if this had changed, if it had gone differently. But uh, I, you know, we we were very disappointed, but uh, we were just. Like you said, this the fact that we executed well, we we felt we felt good about that part yeah. of it. In our first time in port, I got the guys together. We went to a bar, and at the time before all the the current Fireball came out, we, the old traditional Fireball was that cinder schnapps with Tabasco sauce. So I said, "Come on, fellas, let me buy you a drink." And I bought them, We bought all Fireballs. I said, "Here's here's our Fireball." So we toasted it <laughs> and we had a Fireball, and uh, and went from there. Yeah, nice, nice,
2: That's
1: awesome.
2: I got to tell you, okay, I mean, and Crunch. I don't know if you knew this, but Jumby, I'll tell you, I had never heard the detailed story of that whole mission. And I'm proud of you guys and your air wing and everything for planning a MIG trap yeah. and for executing it so well. And it's like, I mean, things like that happened in Vietnam, you know, our missile success rate was terrible for different reasons, but it, like you said, it's a whole team and it and a failure can happen anywhere from the uh, assembly line, you know, to, to trigger squeeze. So. That's
1: right.
0: And the other thing there is that uh, there were no shots from the Iraqis. So the Mig 23s came out to bait and the Mig 25 launched. He never shot. He, he Not just That we were. He,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, my understanding is that, uh, he, got that uh, he got indications that he was being engaged and yes. turned around.
1: So and the the footnote to that interesting story is this 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 uh, pilot that came out was actually their wing commander colonel. He was a colonel from what we heard through the through through the after the fact stories and apparently his controllers when that when we went and and went uh, full up was yelling at him to turn around because those are f14s uh, is what they were reporting
0: and he and my understanding is like he he didn't want to he wanted to keep going no. and bring it to you to, to Even, right He's like I'm not
1: turning around he just kept going yeah he was I'm not turning around until he finally turned around
2: <laughs> too bad he didn't meet your little friend
1: that day <laughs> yeah that's right no kidding our, our our friend, by not mine, ours. Oh, sections. Yeah, Section. yeah. <laughs> or, as a group, we had a couple friends.
2: What a uh, god! What a story. That, I mean, that's just amazing. So, uh, okay, did did you did you uh, keep? I think VF two launched later that year. Did
1: they oh, did?
2: But theirs was failure due to geometry or something like that. Intercept geometry? Do you, or do you know? I did not hear the full details okay. of that.
0: Yeah, I won't speculate. Yeah, I won't speculate on that. All right, Crunch. What else? Uh, what? Well, I, I think we've covered that that event. That's pretty cool. Um, that's great. I mean, it it would have been great if we had if it had differently. But hey, this is this is life. This is what happens. And I think we, you know, it's important for the audience to remember that uh, when everything goes well, the probability of uh, probability of kill is only eighty percent, right? Something like that um rough math so you know to, to get a real good quality shot on somebody generally you have to shoot two and uh that assumes that you know the rocket motors yeah. armed and all that other stuff so you had a good chance it's too bad that didn't happen but,
2: uh, crunch one more thing if everything had gone well jumbie when i asked him when we asked him if he wanted to be on the program he'd go who bio who i don't know <laughs> he'd be wor- the world fame a- along with his uh with Bluto and the other air crew they'd be world famous it's like yeah I don't have time to do your little podcast
1: true bio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but another another cool leadership lesson that came out of it you know you look, I'm, a, I'm a positive kind of guy and, uh, outlook wise and and uh, he uh, one of our JOs very profoundly said you know what I learned you only get one chance
0: well yeah, that's that's true yeah that is true <laughs> You know, that's true. That's
2: almost true, but there were, again, going back to Vietnam, because I, you know, I mean, when I was a teenager and then uh, early in the Navy, Vietnam was what we had. And uh, there were guys, that, there was an F-8 pilot in Vietnam who got shot down by a MiG. And then uh, a few months later, he shot down a MiG. His name
0: was mm-hmm. Nick Bellinger. So,
2: and there were yeah. other guys, you know, but yeah, for most guys, you only get one chance.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sometimes yeah. you get sometimes like Duke you know. Cunningham,
0: he, you know, he, he got more than one. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, All right. Okay. So Jumbie after that experience,
2: how much longer were you in the uh, black lions and uh, what'd you do after that?
1: Well, it turned out as a short tour, cause I'd mentioned how I got my career was kind of getting backed up and I doing the two department head tours, put me behind peers as well. So I actually rolled out fairly shortly after um, getting back from cruise on that. And I, I was lucky. To, I joined him right before Fallon, so I actually did get a chance to go to Fallon before before leaving, which is obviously important to get your strike league call. And oh, yeah. Um, so I rolled out of there, and um, a mentor of mine said, "What do you want to do?" I give you a dream shot. No, he didn't say that. He said, "What do you want to do?" And we're talking have about
2: fines, or we don't do we? No, uh, <laughs> we're, not that, we're not that serious.
1: <laughs> so I. I looked around and, and at one point I was thinking, well, you know, maybe postgraduate school. I was always, I, at one point I was interested in doing the test thing, never got that far along with it. And I was just looking at further education and, that, and stuff and started getting curious just about learning and stuff. And, and, and he said, well, why don't you go to Naval War College because you still get the cool education, but you're still in the hunt. You're still part of the, uh, the process of, of the promotions, et cetera. So I ended up going and being part of uh, the millennial class at the War College after, after that. Um, which ended up being a, a good move for me. Um, and then followed on a tour and a joint job. So, Which was in Cheyenne Mountain, which was very interesting, too. Ooh.
2: Oh, I'm like, sure that was, that was fascinating. fascinating. Working NORAD?
1: Working NORAD. I was actually attached to Spacecom, working in the mountain, walking down the tunnel. And the bus that takes you up there, I used to like to walk it just to look at it. It was, it was
0: pretty cool. It's it's, uh, it's just like the movie War Games, right? Yeah. yeah have you been in the there? Actual,
1: I've never except for the there. command center. They, they, the um, I, I hear the Hollywood went in there and go, this is not going to do. a typical little navy box. So they had to make it grandose for the movie.
0: Well, I so I was a joint staff down in the basement of the uh, NMCC for a for a tour, and we would sometimes that that looked like pff, this little tiny thing, and then they had it redone, and and uh, uh, it was a General McChrystal had the whole thing redone, and next thing you know, there was it was like a TV show in there. But we used to go up to Site R. Which is basically uh you've uh, been to Site R? Yeah, yeah. We, we used to do, yeah. a lot but uh, but Site R mid-ticks? is it, let's say again.
2: What what uh, code were you in a Joint Staff?
0: J thirty three. So the J three. You are probably working a desk, like a, a country desk or something like that, right? Is that where you? Well, gonna I'll, t- I'll let you finish yours, and I'll tell you my All right. Well, okay. So I was doing I was doing the ops floor stuff, and so. Uh, for the sake of this discussion, I was there, I was the, the guy where you're pretty sure that there's somebody sitting and watch on Christmas morning, drinking a cup of coffee, just in case the Russians decide to attack. Yeah, I had that job. Okay. And, uh, site R, like, it, you know, like, uh, Norad Northcom, we used to work with those guys every day, every night. And, uh, up there at site R, you'd walk in and it was so old. I remember walking into the room, which was supposed to be like, this is where the, you know, the president would stay or something. I don't even know what it was supposed to be. And the whole thing had like a map of the Soviet Union <laughs> on the wall. Not even and, Russia. And like, Soviet Union. It, the Soviet Union. Not Russia. The Soviet Union. <laughs> it was it was like, you know, we probably should change that. It's like, yeah, we, we don't have the funds. <laughs> East, East Germany yeah oh yeah it was all there it was it was completely from like 1975 or something like
2: that okay real quick this is not about jumbie but uh i was in j3 but i was in counter narcotics ops
0: oh okay that sounds a lot more interesting no
2: yeah. well it was there was a lot of frustration but but and that was in 1990 to 92 so it's a couple of years before there but we i went into the nmcc all the time i thought it was pretty cool it was like two stories high with these big screens all over the place and status maps and all that?
0: Yeah. Uh, it depends which part you're in. Yeah. So the part that I was in where you had the multiple levels of security and yeah. the special radios and things was uh, pretty dark and dismal. <laughs> and you're like, can we can we get new carpet, please? But, uh.
1: <laughs> I was the guy that had to answer the phone for any uh, any events we had, whether it's a missile or something launches across the whole world.
0: So I, and I was on the I, I was on the other end of that. So the folks that would work in our office, yeah, we this.
1: Worldwide conferencing system. So I was uh, the That's missile right. officer, and I called. This was world-wide conferencing. So put on my yeah. uh, navy blue angel of, uh, in front of, of us. That's right. and then um, uh, at the time it was, uh, I think they. <laughs> We always said it was like a Commodore 64 is actually running our whole satellite uh, system at the time, but they've since have upgraded. I was actually part of a team that actually started that process of, of that upgrade, but left before they actually got there. So it was a yeah. very interesting job. Yeah, that's did awesome. you end up being at the yes, strike fighter weapons school? I did. So that was one thing that happened while I was there. So now I know, you, you know, you kind of know where you are in your so time. Mean, when, you
2: when was that in your career and what year? So this was
1: 2000 to 2003.
2: At Swatland.
1: No, no, this for Cheyenne uh, Mountain.
2: Okay, so, so when were you at Weapon School?
1: So Weapon School, I got when I was there, um, I was thinking I was, uh, you know, talking to detailers and your mentors and stuff. I felt like, well, you know, I'm, I, I got a chance to maybe go down and be a, a, a commanding officer down in Pensacola you know, go be, you know, be, I was kind of eyeballing what's a cycle for VT86 with Marines and Air Force and, and all that good stuff. So I'm trying to eyeball which squadron is going to be there. Actually, uh, when I was in the mountain, I actually got passed over the first year because my timing, my ticket punch wasn't there in time for the first board. So, you know, I kind of knew, I knew where I was going to go. Um, so that's what I thought anyway. And then I got a call from, from the detailer. He goes, Hey, congratulations. You, you picked up command and you're, uh, you're going to go to Lamore." Uh, L'Amour. I'm like, the more, I'm a Comcat guy. We've been going on the more. He goes, "Oh, you're going to be the first Rio. It's going to be the the CEO of the Weapons School." So I went to the I was the uh, the first guy out there at the Strike Fighter Weapons School. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I,
2: I know a lot so, of guys that were uh, SWATs, Lant Commander, uh, Weapons School yeah. Commanders, and that's a great job. I mean, I, Crunch, haven't we talked to a couple of guys who have been uh, Weapons School? Awesome there? job.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Quite a few. With all our our Top Gun brothers. So, that's right that's right it was uh it was a great job um and just the talent you have working for you uh, all the uh, the folks come together and i was lucky and blessed that um, one of my mentors was already had come and was leading the way before i got there over at uh, vf a 122 the uh, frs uh, replacement squadron so oh he so was what kind of flying did,
2: what kind of flying did you do then
1: so he was a, he was a, 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 a wisdom now. So he was, he was a Rio as well. So now what'd you do? I was, I got to fly the F. So I did a, a super hornet flight. Um, I was able to get one F, uh, F5 flight. Um, unfortunately, I, I um, created a disc doing the centrifuge uh, because you know, in the Tomcat, we never did the centrifuge. So I got there and my, my checklist says, go do the centrifuge. So I go do the centrifuge. And then um, on the very last run, I could feel my body just kind of move a little bit. And it tweaked out the, uh, the, the lower lumbar SL section there, and I as I got out, uh, they said good news, you, you passed. As I got on walking, I just dropped, and I was there for like thirty minutes. I couldn't move, and so that kind of put me back a lot, which is very disappointing for flying. So I didn't I didn't get a lot of hour. I got uh, I think it was a 200 hours uh, when I was flying there. So that part was was very frustrating. Um, but just the so I really focused on what uh, our team and you know because we had both. Our, our, our Strike Fighter weapon school uh, tactics, tactics instructors that were working with the fleet, and I'm you know I'm working with all the CEOs and stuff, which is what a bunch of great guys, and just uh, really enjoyed being a part of that. But I also had the AO, so we had the Ordy House, and we're you know working with with those those talented folks that kept uh, kept that school going as well. So that part I just focused on the school itself, and um, which was uh, ended up being very rewarding. It's awesome.
0: So what um, and, and now after that, you when when'd you retire?
1: Um so I didn't retire until 2012. So follow on to that tour. Um we're uh first <laughs> before going to NORAD, I was like, we wanted to kind of we thought we could be going overseas. They always send you off somewhere overseas, you know. I was like so we're like eyeballing maybe uh Belgium or Italy or something, and they're like, No, you're going to Cheyenne Mountain, which ended up being great because my brother was in Denver, so it was like a oh, family reunion. Um but uh so this time now we're like, okay, what's next? well now now we may have to go overseas i want to stay away from dc blah 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 they said no we need you to go to second fleet so i went to second fleet to be the n7 um and that was a very unusual time because that was located where that's in uh norfolk norfolk naval uh, base yeah so i live in chesapeake now norfolk up the road there so um they they were just transitioning to be a joint uh task force headquarters and and so they were becoming operationalized as a fleet ops, as a second fleet, and they put all the training down to what the time was uh, uh, carrier uh, strike group training. It's now back to being Car Group Four, right? Yeah. So CSFTL strike force yeah, training right. Atlantic, and uh, so I was in a. Uh, I had like three or four people that worked for me up at Second Fleet because everybody else was transitioned either ops or someone went down to to the one-star, but the one-star is now running all the, the uh, comp 2X composite training, unit training, the joint task force training when you bring all the strike group together. Uh, so bringing all that stuff together, that was my job as the N7 with the training piece of that. So um, obviously N3 had a, a much bigger role as far as making things happen uh, from the perspective of the blue um, piece of it. But uh, so that, that led me into, uh, luckily, Blind Squirrel found a second set of orders, I actually was able to go from there to be N7 down at Force training. So I actually went back down to the one-star level. And so my last tour was actually a double tour, two years, three years. I did five years here local um, and, and then training strike groups and stuff, which is really cool.
2: Nice. And is that what you're doing now since you retired?
1: no no it's it's different it was uh it it made made sense because uh you know uh, as the n7 down at strike force training was a little bit different you know there you're the op 4 guy so i was the uh I was the Commodore of the bad guys, you know, yeah, been,
2: meaning opposing uh, force for anybody. opposing
1: forces. Yes. So what, we were in charge of not only the presentations at sea with, a, and maybe some fast boats uh, doing some stuff at, in, in, choke points as well as the air, our, our air air brethren that would do uh, air simulations, uh, missiles, profiles, et cetera. So I was, I, I used to um, do all that good stuff uh, over at the tax range uh, over in, Um, by Oceana there. And uh, so that was really, really cool. And that connection to all the talent down at Tregulant that does the uh, synthetic piece of of the training. Uh, So it was a really neat world. And most of the time out of there, you probably would normally go do your stuff and maybe work for fleet forces in seven or whatever. But uh, I transitioned in uh, 2012, decided to retire. Um, I wanted to get, I was thinking about getting to 30, but this is at 27. And it was just time with the age of the kids. They, the things they offered—not you know, good, not good or bad—they just they offered uh, um, unaccompanied uh, either to Japan or over to Horn Africa, and uh, there's a long story behind why that happened, but once again, timing is involved. Um, but the um, ages—my kids, uh, daughter yeah. is yeah. sure. and, and my son—more importantly, my son going into eighth grade is like, nah, I don't think this is going to make sense. You so, already
2: missed enough.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. So I decided it's time to move on. But I ended up. Uh, I was thinking about doing something. I was open, open aperture. I, I was actually interviewed with the YMCA first. I was trying to think of something that um, I'm really passionate about leadership and 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 things along those lines. So um, I actually got a call from a gentleman who uh, was a, a Coast Guard who was working for CACI, and they had just started a, a program of coaching on the deck plate at CACI. So. Um, I went and interviewed for that after doing some other stuff, and, and got picked up. And I thought, well, this is even better. I get to support my Navy, I get to keep my clearance and not have to worry about that if I did want to go back. And I'm just really cool. I'm working with uh, uh, folks at the zone manager, you know, uh, division head type level, uh, doing some training and, and mentoring. Nothing technical. Just the uh, just a different perspective on on uh, leadership skills and those kinds of things and coaching. So that's how that's what got me into what I'm doing now. And I've been doing. Similar stuff uh, for the last ten years.
2: Very cool. cool. Nice.
0: Crunch. You got anything else?
1: No, actually, I think that is
0: perfect. So we wanted to talk about how the shot went. We wanted to talk about what we thought happened. We got to know Jumpy. I think we've got everything we hey, needed here.
2: Jumpy, did we did we forget to ask you anything, or is there anything else you wanted to say that?
1: I. Not really. I'm just. I appreciate you guys having me on. I mean, I'm. It's it's a humbling experience to even talk about this stuff. I really hadn't talked a lot about it. I did. Uh, I I, I don't. I think the last time I really talked a lot in depth about it was I gave a brief. Uh, when I was went to Seal Weapons School. I briefed all the GAOs there, just kind of t- talking through the scenario at a, at a higher class classification level at the time, just to, so they were familiar with it. Um, but then um, after that, I didn't, I didn't really didn't really talk a lot about it. And then people all of a sudden we started getting some when the tomcat went away, people started asking questions and stuff. So, um, I've I have talked to um, shout out to Hey Joe, uh, Parsons for um, you know him, him t- capturing the story and, and stuff like that. And so um, now, at one point, you just kind of had to we had to have beers over the bar for me to even mention it. So, but now it's just it's part of life.
2: Yeah, very awesome. good. Well, I, I, as I said, there's so much more to the story than uh, than I ever thought. And and that stuff is all cool. So, I mean, on we you've covered everything that we wanted and a lot more. And uh, like Crunch said, we got to know you. So, thanks for uh, taking the time to prepare for this and to uh, to spend your time with us and share the story with the Tomcat uh, the world of Tomcat fans. So, thanks,
1: no, Jumpy. Thank no, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. No
0: You've been listening to the F-14 TomCast, part of the air combat experience brought to you by BVR Productions. Got a question for the show? Send an email to questions at f14tomcast.com or leave a message on our listener line at 877-MACH-101, extension 3. That's 877-622-4101, extension 3. For updates on this podcast and our other military aviation-themed shows, Visit bvrpro.com and follow the air combat experience on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for listening.